Hey everybody, welcome to Adam Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adam Marcy. And today I've got my very good friend, Catherine Bajanian, in with me at the studio. She's literally three feet away from me. Real quick shout out though, because I had to re-record uh, bits of the intro. That This I, this uh, interview did come through a little bit distorted, unfortunately, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We've actually got a lot of great info. And uh, Catherine's actually from California, right? Like essentially, I'm originally from California, yeah. Yeah, but London is home now. Yeah, so she's in London now. She's basically a therapist specializing in relationships um, and how people basically interact more than anything. Like you're a student of the psychology yeah. and human development, which is kind of awesome. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, just real quick shout out to the sponsors to this episode today. We've got AdelMarcy.com, where you guys can go check out uh, previous episodes. Subscribe to the email list where you get email training as well from me. Um, abrasiveentrepreneur.com where you guys get Facebook ad training and of course uh, katherinebajanian.com is it drkatherinebajanian.com no it's just katherinebajanian.com okay katherinebajanian.com links will be as always up and if you check out Catherine's site she's going to have a little treat or something up there by the time you guys listen to this uh, so you guys can get in touch with her and speak to her more often as well now real quick the way we met was quite interesting because I was speaking at a seminar Mm -hmm. um, a couple of weeks actually a couple of months ago now and um, you kind of randomly saw this thing on what was it? Yeah, it was on Eventbrite. Yeah, it was on yeah Eventbrite like that. I want to say that morning and yeah. and like or the night before. And I was just like, yeah, this looks interesting. A couple of things stood out, and um, yeah, it was very serendipitous. I was like not really planning on being there, so yeah, and like uh, Catherine ended up sitting. On my table, like two seats away from me, which is really, really fun, um, and we just really got we hit it off. Had a great conversation. I got off stage, and it was a really small room, so I think it was like yeah. about twenty people max. Yeah, at most. Yeah. Yeah, and we just basically uh, hung out for a little bit afterwards, got drinks, and just realistically just had a really good conversation about everything. Yeah. And um, yeah, friendship was made. It was really, really cool from that point on and you know we've hung out a couple of times since and I was just like damn I really want to get her on the show because it's an actual credible psychiatrist coming in talking about relationships and development because so much is entrepreneurs psychologist psychiatrist psychologist 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 or or therapist yeah not psychiatrist so that's a that's a miss like um well that was a mislead on my part yeah often people mix up the two so the difference is like a psychiatrist goes to medical school um, and they often work with sort of chemical imbalances, so they prescribe medication. Um, whereas psychologists or therapists do not go to medical school, so we can't prescribe medication. Um, and we primarily work on the psychological, emotional level. Yeah, so basically the side that works quite often without numbing it. Yay! Yes. People that we like. Yeah. Um, so essentially what we're going to be doing today, because uh, again, I think it's your first time, it's your first time on my show, but I don't know if you actually listened to previous episodes before. No, we've chatted quite a lot, but, um, yeah, no, it's like the yeah. first time. So essentially bit. it's kind of, you guys are in for a treat because like one of the reasons why we wanted Catherine on was, um, far too often as entrepreneurs and business owners, we essentially kind of move away from relationships and yeah. we don't put enough, I wouldn't say we don't put enough value on them, but we don't take stock often enough of relationships, which is why a lot of entrepreneurs either, well, from my experience, a lot of them do end up in second or third time marriages, or mm-hmm. they end up single for a very long time, mm-hmm. or they just don't find, they don't feel like they can find anyone that's on that level. Yeah. Um, 
And relationships have spoiled because someone's in a business before, like male or female or whatever Definitely. it is. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of do want to dive into that, but real quickly, give us a little bit more of your background. Like, how did you actually get involved with what you're doing right now? Like, how did, how's that the path you took? Uh, well, like psychology always came fairly easy to me. It was just something that I enjoyed, but, um, often we're sort of, I don't know, fed this idea about like work, if it's, um, lucrative should be really hard and you should put a lot of time and energy into it. And so I never thought of psychology as a possible work or career option because it was fun. Um, funny enough. Um, so I was pre-med for a long time. And when I went to university, I was, I was pre-med. Um, and then I just found myself like really struggling to sit through classes. And I think one of the things I, um, I didn't really enjoy about pre-med, um, was that regardless of the background we're from or, you know, the ethnic, cultural, whatever it is, familial familial background like we all have the same bodies and organs and same composition so initially for me like the classes were a lot of sort of rote memory and not a lot to do with the individual whereas every time I took psychology classes and again for fun um, it was all about the individual um, and how just nuances in that individual's life could really just completely shift how they saw the world and thought and all of that. And so I was really taken with that, that um, every individual, like how, how unique it was. And it was really sort of, for me, it engaged my critical thinking. So I just really enjoyed it. And I think just one day I was just like, I can't sit through another chemistry or physiology class. I just couldn't. Um, And it was like, you know, I lived in California, so the weather was always amazing. But once you find yourself like going, oh, it's a sunny day and therefore I shouldn't be sitting in class where like every other day is a sunny day, um, you you sort of start realizing you're making every petty excuse to, to get out of your classes. And so that like I finally couldn't manage. And so I switched over to psychology on a whim not even knowing what I was going to be doing um I just knowing that I enjoyed it and I couldn't stand pre-med anymore um and then it just sort of took on a life of its own like I I ended up graduating doing well and then decided to do a master sort of again without clear direction as to what I'm doing and um it just it just went well and then I ended up working um in domestic violence and sexual assault were my initial um, like practicums or areas of, of, of like my internships in the beginning. And so th- from then on, uh, as a result of like dealing with adults and their relationships and the really sort of heavy stuff that really engaged me in the relationship arena. And I just kept going in that. And then the PhD came sort of as a result of that. Um, and so the PhD is in sort of social psychology with an emphasis on romantic relationships. That was what the the research was on um, and I sort of studied relationships cross-culturally because one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that love is a very small part of the relationship um, or at least in order to continue to foster the relationship you have to have similar ways of, of understanding one another or communicating or expectations and when you come from often you know different cultural backgrounds um you know in the in the globalized world we live in now a lot of people sort of uh get married to people of different cultural backgrounds but expectations could differ and so people could fall in love be madly in love and then they go to 
um, start constructing a life together and their idea of what a husband and a wife should do, what their roles should be, what values they want to bring up their children can vary drastically because of the different backgrounds they're from. Um, and so that could start if they don't know how to communicate that and negotiate new sort of values within their home, that could really start wearing the way um, in their relationship. Right. So like, I've actually seen enough times growing up with like my friends. Yeah. Um, like one, this one kind of like made an impact, like a really deep impact for me was uh, I think I was about 16 at the time. Yeah. One of my friends, I'm not going to name his name, um, but his parents, his mother was with this guy for 10 years. They were like mm. dating for 10 years and then they decided to get married. Okay. It took a year and a half from that relationship <laughs> yeah. to go from boyfriend, girlfriend, married to a divorce and I hate you. Right, wow. And it was like, the craziest thing was like, how could you like date someone, live with someone, get to know someone yeah. in this way for, for a decade and then still kind of like separate? And they were from the same cultural background. It was mm. just like different... Mm-hmm. Um, different thought patterns. Now, the question I have for you, is it beneficial and how do you actually do this to bring up that conversation and okay, what are your values mm-hmm. in terms of um, what you think a husband and wife should be, like yeah. how their team should be and when you should bring that conversation up? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so that example that you gave, I've, I've seen it happen uh, time and time again. Um, And it's simply because of that label of like husband and wife and what each one attributes to that. Um, So when people are are dating, there's there's less expectations involved. And at the same time, because they don't feel like they are locked into that relationship, they uh, are there isn't as much pressure to have to make it work. Um, And and so um, there's more room for each one to sort of. Uh, be more of themselves or be more of an individual and make mistakes yeah absolutely and there's more forgiveness from that there's definitely because you don't feel like you have to forgive the person you feel like you want to forgive but when people are married they feel like I have no choice because I'm now locked in um, and so that added um, feeling of, uh, of feeling like confined in that relationship or unable to get out um breeds a lot of like resentment and frustration um and so yeah i would i i i strongly recommend and whenever i have couples coming in i'm always surprised at how um few or even none like conversations they've had around what married life would look like um how things would change what their expectations are for from one another um, what their concept of like a husband and wife is, what those roles are. Um, because, you know, decades ago, there were clearly defined roles. Yeah. And so while the roles were confining for people, they were also um, laid out. And so two people, when they were getting married, um, they knew what they were in for. Uh, you know, the husband knew he was going to be the primary breadwinner. She knew that she was going to be, you know, whatever, the homemaker. Um, and so they, they, they knew what they were walking into. Whereas nowadays, um, people have very different ideas based on their cultural or family or whatever background of what they think a husband and wife should be like. Um, and then they get married and often sometimes like just, they clash on their, on their ideas. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that people don't have these conversations. And again, I think it's this basis of like love conquers all. 
Yeah, if we I, love each other. See, I I do believe in love, but also at the same time, what is essentially romantic Disney perpetrated love that's propagated yeah. by the masses, in my opinion, is complete bullshit. Um, I mean, it, it's it's fucking stupid in my personal opinion. It's something I used to say when I used to write for the Dayton Niche. Mm was I'd have, like, my market that I worked with personally, um, it wasn't even a business. It was more or less just I happenstance to fall into it because I get on better with women than to do with men for a lot of the time. Like, most of my friends are female. Um, Or at least they were, and that's more diverse. But, like, when I was younger, it was a lot more, like, I had a lot more female friends. Um, What I used to find was they would come to me for advice, as in, like, what should I wear on night out? Why can't I find a good guy? That kind of stuff. So... I do the same thing that I did for myself and I did for, like, my fr- my other guy friends, which is make a list of everything you want. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I used to then, use, the thing, they're like, oh, I've heard this. Like, no, no, no. Here's the thing. You make a list of everything you want, mm-hmm. then you make a list of everything that you don't want, right. and then a list of everything you'll tolerate. Yes. And they're like, why would I want those lists? I'm like, because if mm-hmm. your brain, look, you're not looking for one side. Right. Because if you're honest with yourself, every human is both saint and sinner. Yes. So if you're just looking for the saint yes. in a human, human being, you're aiming to set yourself up for failure. Absolutely. Whereas yeah. if you're kind of like, I can accept these things from this other right. person, when they do those things, you have more leniency to forgiveness and it doesn't yeah. feel like a hard line's been broken because you already went in expecting that. Yeah. Whereas if you don't expect that and they act out of character, that breaks your image of them and totally. which causes... And, it's, and it's that's a stress the funny fracture. thing is like when they... And their partners don't live up to their standards... Sometimes it's like, oh, you don't love me enough. You know, it's because of that. Something about the love in the relationships. For So, for instance, if, like, their partner, they want a successful partner uh, who's competent and independent. But that competent and independent person is not always going to be available 24 hours to you, yeah. right? And when they're not, they don't take it as, well, that's part of the deal of dating someone that's very independent or has a life, you know, of their own outside of me. They take it as, oh, if, if he or she loved me enough, they would make time for me. Yeah. Um, and that's what I find. And the, the list that you're talking about, I, you know, when I, I, when I give talks, I always talk about the fact that people should have a very clear understanding of make a list of the things that they want. But exactly that when I, and I say, and you know, nowadays I think like more and more people have caught on to that, uh, yeah. particularly in like, you know, the online dating realm, like you become really more and more clear about like what you're looking for. Um, but when I say, now make a list of of um, what you're willing to tolerate. Exactly that in a relationship, people they can't you know or what you're willing to go without in a relationship. That really stumps people. They don't. They go, why would I sort of think that? And I'm like, because human beings are complex and we have strengths and weaknesses. And when you are with someone, whether you marry them or you're in a long term relationship with them. You have to embrace all of them. All aspects. You can't all really aspects. leave everything out. No. no because so- you want to be embraced, right? In, from yeah. Within all aspects. And so it's 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 funny that like how people want to get everything that they want from a partner. And give as little as possible. Yeah. And, and, and feel like their partner, if they really love them, they should accept, you know, everything that they bring to the table. In time. So like, I guess the other question I had, which I think we skipped over a second, was the idea of how when would you bring this up like how soon in a relationship because in my opinion again and it is just simply because how my brain is wired is i would love to have this conversation like right at the very start where your expectations are because 
if anything, that saves a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I was dating you for a totally. month. I thought you were this way. I was like, dude, yeah. listen, you don't have the luxury of time. Yeah. But having that conversation also scares people off. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really how do you have that conversation? So yeah. <clears throat> firstly, um, the age has something to do with it. Definitely when you're in your 20s, people are just looking to have relationship experiences. They're not maybe looking for long term. Um 30s is a little bit different. Um, people are starting to want to sort of settle settle down more and that having similarities when you're thinking long term is a lot more important when you're just looking to like learn and experience then maybe having a lot of differences can be beneficial because it'll expand your mind, right? But if you are, regardless whether you're in your 20s or 30s or, or beyond, if you're looking for a long term relationship and that's the purpose of, of why you're dating, um, you need to become very clear on what what you want and what you're yeah. looking for um, and weave it into into your dates. So people think they complete, they totally date incorrectly and they uh, do things in the wrong order. So what I mean is that they'll start to date someone, they'll have tons of fun, they focus on the fun and the connecting um, and sharing their commonalities and then they'll get attached to one another and then along the line, they'll, they'll sleep together and they'll develop this relationship only then to find out. Um, and that's often too late because now you've developed an emotional attachment and now you're going to be working overtime to sometimes make a relationship work that might not be a good Suitable. Fit. Yeah. No, yeah. I've, so I've you want to bring this stuff up early on, but the way you want to bring it up rather than sort of interviewing because that's sometimes what people get into yeah. sort of interviewing mindset. If you become really clear on what you're looking for that, and it's at the forefront of your mind. And when you're out on dates, part of it is having fun and connecting, but part of it is also finding out all of this in-depth information about someone. So, um, you know, if, if where you want to live in 10 years, for instance, is important to you, or, you know, you're a city person and you want to know if the person is wanting to settle down, um, here or in the, whatever it is, you bring up you bring up um, situations like that. Oh, it's I heard so and so, or I read this article, or you know whatever it is. And you basically what, create a tie-in into exactly. like to get the question. So I was like, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine, or like my friends, exactly. Or it could be something like my friends are. I can't believe my friends are actually getting married soon. Yes. Um, but you know what? They just can't like decide what they're going to do. Like exactly. if one of them wants to like travel and the other one wants to stay. I mean, what about you? What would you do on this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then it doesn't, the other person doesn't feel like they have to give you a right and wrong answer. Yeah. You know, it feels like you're just having a discussion. And so it's a lot more authentic. They open up and they just give their thoughts and opinions rather than feeling like, okay, they have to give you the right or wrong answer. And then, yeah. Yeah, because so. I, I find that whenever you become too stagnant and stiff in a situation, that that's when breaks start to happen. When you have mm-hmm. too many breaks, that's when essentially relationships break down, mm. in my opinion. Um, but okay, so for entrepreneurs, because this is kind of a big thing for yeah. us, is I'm talking to the male crowd here more specifically because, yes, women do have this problem as well, and we're going to yeah. address that in a minute. But men with dating, do you reckon it's actually better for them to date other entrepreneurs, or do you reckon it's actually best for them to date like someone that is, you know, whatever, because whatever they clear, because like entrepreneurs have a certain mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and from the ones I've studied and know that actually like go after it, they work at this level where it's like, it's go time. Yeah. And then afterwards there's like a chilled out, relaxed time. They actually, yeah. 
like they're both extremes the extremely hard-working workaholics and extreme fun people to be around yes so like those two extremes exist um inside the same individual i know that's not with everyone but that's from like my personal perspective and people i've been around what would you say for them to date someone similar to that or someone that's completely opposite that can ground them so it's this is interesting that you bring this up because i i've like been interviewed before and this question hasn't come up but it's Yay. something that I've, yeah, I mean, it's something that I've thought about a lot because I listen to a lot of podcasts and on several different occasions, very, very successful entrepreneurs have said that the reason, one of the biggest reasons for their success is their partner yep. because they had someone to go home to that um, took the stress away, that was there to support them, um, was able to go through the ups and downs. And I, and I wish more successful entrepreneurs would talk about this because it's such a key point. You know, we, we talk about marketing strategies and we talk about finances and we talk about all kinds of other strategies to, to make your business a success. Well, this is but, one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show is yeah. because like, all my people I've had on, we're also on mindsets and stuff. But rarely do it. Like, I think we've had three relationship people come mm. on like from different areas, and I really like getting you guys on yeah. as much as possible because, again, like you said, coming home to someone that understands you is a big thing. Yeah. I, I know for a fact when um, when I was in that situation with someone, I the way that my brain actually interpreted that was like I started to actually want to improve because yes. I hit like a plateau for a little bit and. Um, I just started wanting to improve. Like I started wanting to like to go to like a million miles a second, mm-hmm. and this person inspired the hell out of me to do this because I was like, I'm interested in them like romantically, yeah. but also simultaneously they yeah. really drive me. So, granted, when that situation didn't work out, it I did feel like an instant bump of like my motivation dropping, not yeah. wanting to do stuff and whatever. But what I realized psychologically, like again, because it's us, we've had these conversations. I always look at the psychology and what's the reason behind mm-hmm. it. And the reason behind it for me, at least, was I need to reverse engineer why I felt motivated and then internalize that process for myself so I can do it myself. But that being said, there is nothing like having that other person that understands you. Energizes you, you. yeah. Yeah, It energizes you at a whole different level. Right. So, like, okay, kind of jumping off that point, because, again, I did stop you mid-flow. Please continue exactly where you were at. I I mean... Yeah, uh, no, I, I, again, I totally agree with you, and, and, and I've heard this from several very, very successful entrepreneurs that, you know, their husbands or their wives were one of the biggest reasons for their success, um, just having that base of security to fall back on if you screw up and, you know, it, it all goes tits up, or, um, or just the fact that you know you're coming home to someone that is loving and embraces you or they take all care of all the other stuff like you know keeping making sure you're getting enough sleep and there's healthy food around and all kinds of things like that yeah like it's it's one of i think it's a it's something that is so readily overlooked um because somehow we think of relationships as um as I have to sort of invest and it takes my time away. And that's what I'll, I'll, I hear when, uh, particularly from men that, that come to me, it's like this, this constant internal struggle of how much do I give to the work that I love versus the person I'm with. Um, and I think if you, I think it's not about finding another entrepreneur or someone that is not an entrepreneur. It's a matter of like, can you find someone that shares the vision that you have 
and that they become part of making that vision come to life. It becomes your both of your visions, so that it feels like you're both working for a, a common goal, an outcome that inspires both of you, and each one is playing their part in making that that incredible um, uh, like idea come to life. Uh, and if you and if and if your partner is in on it in on and making that vision come to life then then that's that that's going to go really well and neither one is going to feel like well i'm not getting enough time or you're taking away from me or whatever because it's like it's for our future right and again a lot of people don't have those talks it's um i have this thing i want to come to make come to life and then their relationship tends to be separate from that um but that's what you're supposed to do in a relationship. You should be talking about your dreams and hopes. and Because this is someone that you want to have is essentially yes. the quote-unquote home. Yes. This is the person that you go to to like have that with, build that thing. That's really interesting because like I, I find out and realize so many people that I know, they actually do that. Like mm-hmm. a, a great example is someone like Conor McGregor. Okay. Like, Connor, before he became a massive star who he is today, yeah. despite what he's done recently and stuff, um, his story is incredible. Like, five, six years ago, this mm. guy was on the breadline. Like, he was in poverty. He was working as a plumber mm. trying to support his fight career. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think it might even be eight years now. Um, and what he did was his girlfriend, mm-hmm. uh, who's now, I think, his fiance as well and the mother of their first child, um, she basically said to him, you got to pick what you want to do. Okay. Like, I will put it with everything for you. I will help you in every single way. But your promise is that you must be the best you you can be. Okay. If you're going to fight, you got to be the best fighter there is. Mm-hmm. You got to commit 100% to this. And she used to pay for him, like, for his food, for his right. meal preps. Yeah. She would, like, she paid for the rent. She mm-hmm. worked really hard. Well, she'd pay for his training to make mm-hmm. sure that he can go to the gym. She'd pay for, like, and like she'd pay for the flights anytime they had to fight somewhere that wasn't like close mm-hmm. by so she basically put a lot of money in order to actually support him and now like it went from her supporting him because she had this vision of him being this great champion mm-hmm. and then he became this great champion mm-hmm. i mean look at the fight he had like a year and a bit ago against mayweather mm-hmm. he made over like officially he made over 100 million but if you take right. in all the back end stuff it's like 240 million dollars wow. give or take to take home I'm like you've made right. over a hundred yeah. million. Where like a few years ago, you were right at poverty. Yeah. Right. You're yeah. right at poverty, and it took your partner to get you there. Yes. And I know I'm talking from a male's perspective, but there's also female perspectives where like there's so many female entrepreneurs that I know that are actually yeah. like they find it hard to find a good man. Yeah. Now this actually brings me to a different question. So I brain thought just kind of brought this up. Was what's your what's your take on? Because we live more in an equal society now, yeah. or at least we're going towards that. But there are still some things from the cultural norm of the last 120 years, 200 years, that are still there, that are kind of backwards in my opinion. In the sense of if a female likes a guy, she feels like that she should not make the first move. Mm. She shouldn't propose to him. Mm. She shouldn't ask him out. My whole thing with that is that you sh- you should be able to do that and it not be an issue. Because yeah. in all offense from a male's perspective, we're fucking oblivious. Okay. Like, and I say that as Captain Oblivious, mm-hmm. because the amount of times I've had women say, like, years later, going, oh, no, you know, I used to have a real crush on you. I, don't, I used yeah. to really like you. I was like, wait, what? No, wait, what? Yeah. I was like, I liked you too. 
It's like, yeah. wait, why didn't you make a move? It's like, because I thought you were just my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to, like, spoil that. What's going on? So from that perspective, do you reckon, like, we're moving to a, more towards a society where women can freely ask a guy out? Um, or do you think they should? Or do you think it should just stay the same as that the male should make the first move? Okay. So so before we... It's a loaded uh, question, I know. Well, before we move on to gender and sex, um, one thing I wanted to mention um, with that awesome story that... Um, Connor McGregor that you just brought up the, um, the one of the things in, in relationships that um, I see as very problematic is when two people are acting as individuals in a relationship um, what I mean by that is that there isn't a, again a, that go back to this idea of a common vision but if you are seeing yourself as an I in a relationship, then the focus is going to be on how is this relationship serving me and my needs. And the other person is doing the same and you will clash often. But the relationship is almost like a third entity that you have to see as both of you engaged in nurturing and shaping. Um, so there's a we there, that, like how the two of you come together to make the relationship happen. Um, and if you guys can set sort of this common vision with common goals and a common purpose that is going to ultimately best serve the both of you, then you can put your energies, pull your resources like these two did um, and make something really great happen. But yeah. if you're just like, I'm an individual and the other person's like an individual and we hang out and we sleep together and we, you know, whatever it is, then you're always going to feel like you're sort of, you're fighting one another to get the most out of it. Okay, so based on that, just real quickly before mm-hmm. we move on, like, so the visualization I have personally um, yeah. that I thought used to work, I mean, because this challenge is something that I believe, so that's fine. Okay. So the way I used to look at it was I want you to imagine two pillars, like a Colosseum yeah. pillar, right? Yeah. So what you're saying, so what I used to do when I was a lot younger and then stopped doing was the moment I was with someone, it's like we would meld oh, into no, like no, no, one no. single pillar, which sucked. Yeah. And then like the other one that you're describing is where two pillars are so far apart with yeah. each other. Whereas in my opinion, you want to have like a an dis- intersection. An there's intersection. An like there's two individuals, but then they there's that, a that line close- that blurs within the two of them as well. well so they still stay individual. That's the thing. If you have to be able to be an individual um, right. and still be working towards a common goal for the both of you. Right. So like my actual thought process is this: rather than like so, for instance, take a like piece of wood or like a, a whatever yeah. just like a flimsy piece of wood that could be any length of this yeah now the same flimsy piece of wood stands on top of the singular pillar of the yeah. two of you together as one if anything falls by the wayside it just breaks or it snaps yeah. off to the side if you're too far apart anything that goes in the middle breaks in yeah. two but i'm thinking where it's like pliable to the point where you two are separate enough that you're yeah. basically your own person but you're close enough that you can actually support this if anything yeah. falls on either side it can be picked up if it's in the middle it can be picked up so that would be the third entity, more or less the thing on top of you that you build the life together. Yes. So would you say that's a correct assessment of how I'm actually seeing relationships? Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. yeah. And how I visualize it is sort of two circles and then the intersection of those two circles. Venn diagrams, got all of them. Yeah, right, exactly. So the middle bit, the intersection would be the relationship. And that's where the two of you sit down and go, what is the life that we're looking to build? Um, and you go through that process and you sort of come up with a common vision that you both are excited about that um, feels like it fulfills both of you. And then in your individual parts, 
you sort of list out what my role is um, in making this happen. Um, and so each of you might be acting from very different perspectives. And sometimes that looks like and can look like, you know, a traditional household, um, you know, where she's sort of staying at home and he's working. Uh, but neither of their parts is better or worse because it's the coming together of the two of them yeah. that makes the life that they want come to life. It's essentially kind of like Gazelle Nightingale said, the um, for the, for the what was it, the definition of success is someone that is moving toward there's actively realizing the, the their dream that they want that actually real so it's like the mother the woman that basically says i want to be a mother and that's what i want so she gets yes. married and she's a she's a stay-at-home mom but she she's the best stay-at-home mom she can mm-hmm. be and her partner basically supports them and that's kind of like and he's kind of like serves both of them yeah right yeah and he's like that's what i want i want to go out yeah. and be the breadwinner and i she i want a wife like this and she's like i want a husband like this i'm wife yeah. like this so essentially it's creating that commonality of exactly what yeah. works well like for me personally i'd say this live on air i know for a fact i'm gonna be a stay-at-home dad mm. because yeah i'm gonna be working what i'm doing but i spend most of my time working from home yeah. you know i built my life so i've always been like i know when i have children um I want to be there with my kids like all the time because mm-hmm. like, for me it's more or less like with my dad like my dad and I really didn't really get close for a yeah. very long time so I want to have that closeness with my mm-hmm. kids but simultaneously if my wife wants to be like I'm going to go out there and work and do all this stuff I'm you're like okay I'm like dude power to you if I want to yeah. stay at home my like, power to you you know what yeah. you're doing as long as we have the same vision of moving forward and we're both mm-hmm. happy and look after each other and we got each other's back that's yeah. fine now there was the other question I did ask you and I can't even remember what it was uh, you are talking about the gender question? Yes, the yeah. gender stuff. Let's, yeah. let's jump into that. The gender stuff. Um, <clears throat> okay, so this is one is a little bit tricky because there are social norms and we're trying to move further and further away from having these like strict, uh, I don't know, ideals for each sex, right? Um, yeah. And um, And then there's the other bit that's sort of biological, um, and some of it just is sort of within our wiring of what we expect from from one another or want from one another. So essentially part of it is also like what we personally set as our standards. Yeah, yeah. But, but like as men and women, there is some of it that comes from, I feel like, you know, because I, I, I read a lot of evolutionary psychology I work from that aspect of it that there is some of it that like is sort of just within within our like our biology um so for instance you know the what you brought up the example before of like should the woman make a first the first move and is that okay of course it's okay um do a lot of women like it not entirely no, I've yeah. actually noticed a lot of women don't like no. to, and that's fine. That's understandable, but like it's also in the sense of um, I'm just asking from that perspective of like what we're moving into right now as a, yeah. as a culture. Yeah, so so I think that I think a lot of women prefer to prefer for the man to pursue them. It makes them feel special. It you know it it engages them on another level and they don't like to to necessarily make that first move um but with that said i think there's a difference between not wanting to make that first move um and 
being so weird and awkward about it that it makes it hard for the guy to make that first move. Right. And so with a lot of women that um, I talk to that go, oh my God, I would never go up to a guy. I would never put myself out there like that. I go, fine. That's totally fine. But you've got to create the kind of space to allow them to, to allow them, yeah, because it's terrifying for a guy. I mean, it's oh, yeah, terrifying no. for anyone, right? When you put yourself out there like that, it's a really scary experience. Um, and if you notice that the other person is very receptive to you, open, um, and that if you make that move and you walk over to them, you're not going to get a hard rejection, then there's a higher likelihood that you're going to do that. So with women, I talk about body language. I talk about, you know, how how to carry themselves, how to smile, how to engage, how to do. Okay. Yeah. So what, what are some of those things then? Like, what are some of the body language things that you actually say that are for good? For, so what are some of the advice? Sorry. What is the advice that you give to women about body language that they can apply if they're listening to this and also the men can look out for when they're actually out there looking for the right person or whatever it is when they're they go, oh she's giving me an open sign versus an, a closed sign yeah I think I think women think that like um, like a quick glance in that guy's direction okay so let me let me start with this um, when I talk to women about this they don't like hearing it because they feel like they go you know when the right guy comes along and here we go back to like there is a soulmate there is the right person and we often see this depicted in movies right where like two people just sort of serendipitously bump into each other and because they're so perfect for one another it's like destiny makes it happen and they're just so drawn together and he has all the balls in the world are the confidence to like go up to her and just go, oh my God, you're the woman of my, you know, my dreams. I'm and- sorry, but if you actually do say that to a woman, oh, you are going to get exactly, shut down right? so hard. Because it's what? one of those things, like if every guy did that, it'd just be wrong. And sometimes I'm just going to say jokingly, yeah. is when you say Destiny's going to bring them together, it's hilarious because I actually do have a friend in the States called Destiny. Okay. And it's just brilliant <laughs> so I'm like, I can just imagine she's sat there going, and I brought you together. <laughs> Just because she's she that kind of a, such an asshole, she's actually she showed Destiny. If you listen to this, I think you should just start like Destiny's match services, or even Destiny brought, brings you together That should be your site, oh and all you do is you just like offer a matchmaking service. Um, that would be an excellent idea. My name's Destiny. I bring people together. A lot of people buy into that, so I'm sure it would take off. Um, Especially in California, because she lives in she lives in LA. Oh, God. Okay. So here's the thing with like good guys and nice guys. Good guys, nice guys are often very conscious and careful of not imposing themselves on women. Um, they're aware of that woman being around her friends. They're aware if she's reading a book or, you know, um, on her phone or whatever, not to be disruptive. So they're well-mannered and conscious um, of, of her environment and her sort of what, the, what they perceive as her, her needs. So they are not that likely to just barge up to a girl, particularly if she's with a group of friends um, and just, you know, start talking to her. Um, guys that are sometimes more willing to do that are the ones that have had a lot of practice um, or don't have much to risk because they're already in a relationship you know and so if women are not doing what what they can to engage the good guys then they're only really gonna be left with a handful of guys that are willing to come up to them which is you know often maybe not the ones that they're actually looking for yeah, it's kind of like what objective they're coming up with. Yes. Like, um, 
uh, there was like two questions I have for you just safe, perfectly locked and loaded. I'm just like waiting for like, because yeah, these okay. are just bring up so many questions I have for you. So do you mind if I ask one of them now? Okay. Or do you want to just keep going? Um, well, we'll go back to like what people can do to engage. Okay, but, sure. Um, yeah, ask away. All right. So the first question really is just that there's only one question for this part in particular is the idea. It's kind of a switching gear for a second because we're kind of like quickly, very quickly, yeah. ra- like dovetail rabbit hole out of this. Um, it's this idea that I was having a conversation with, with with a friend of mine when they said that if you if you know if you're good looking and you say I'm good looking, rarely do good looking people say that because they already know. Okay. But my perceptive perception is, and this is from my own experience as well as experiences I've had with other people, men and women, that were bullied when they were younger, so they had that self esteem issue where they didn't know they were good looking, and then yeah. as they got older, they, okay. it kind of like it reconciled and they yeah. actually went. The internal self-image finally caught up to external yeah. self-image where they went, actually, I'm a very good-looking person. Okay. There's a reason why this has all been easy. But also, they have that crippling anxiety whenever they go speak to someone new. Yes. So, from a uh, sec- from a therapist's point of view, would that, that affect stuff? And, again, this is a question for later on after you answer the whole thing with what women can do and what guys could look out for. Uh, how would someone actually reconcile that self-image uh, internally and externally to actually find out what they actually truly look like. Oh, are um, you talking about specifically to looks? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this a little bit general general. Yeah, go for it. Generalize like the whole outfit. Self-esteem issues, right? Yeah. Because everybody has them. Yeah, everybody has them. We all grow up with having different incidents where we're like told something and we internalize it um, and we believe it. Um, I give like a really sort of basic and silly example of something like that. Um, so I say like, okay, so when we're born into the world, we have no concept of, of who we are, what our identities are like, what we're worth, what, what, um, we deserve, what kind of relationships we're entitled to, what kind of people we should look for. You know, there's this, this, uh, this concept of humanity is just a total blank to us. So whatever we're initially exposed to and taught about the world and about ourselves is what we'll internalize. And then we keep playing that out. Um, so a simple, very sort of silly example of this is um, if you're one or two years old and um, you get told, for instance, by your parents uh, that dogs are scary and that you should stay away from them because they're terrifying creatures that will bite you and hurt you. Um, and that's you haven't had any experiences with animals. You haven't had any experiences with dogs. Your parents tell you that you believe them because you believe your parents um you you know you believe the the new information that's coming at you um and then you internalize that and forever in your life you will you can like you grow up with that concept and you just stay away from from dogs and every time you see them that it'll elicit terror within you and um and so then you'll act out in accordance with that you'll stay away from those animals never knowing whereas when you're an adult um and you've been around dogs all of your life um and you think they're really friendly and amazing animals and let's say you get bitten by one you're very like you're not as likely to internalize that and forever be afraid of dogs again you know it's like one incident out of thousands that you've had with dogs and so that gets diluted and you don't it doesn't become a part of your 
identity or your self-concept of, of dogs. So essentially, basically, what you're told from a child is basically concentrate. And then as you get old, it's like, what are you trying to dilute that concentrate with? So think of it as like a juice is the way I look at it. Like, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's when it's, when, yeah, you're younger, it's not only is it concentrated, but you, um, you, A, you, you trust the people around you. And yeah, you have, I guess that's exactly, you have no other experiences to compare and contrast this, this, what you're being told to be able to either say, no, this doesn't work for me or it does. You just take it on face value. Um, and so our self-esteem issues come as a basis of that. So you are who you are, you know, kids don't have these innate fears and, um, you know, self-esteem issues. They just are. They don't think about how they're dancing. They just do it because it's fun. You know, they yeah. don't think about risk and fear. That's why they can jump off of high places and they go up to anybody. They're just experiencing and learning about the world. They're just like open to anything. And then they get told about who they are in life, what they can and can't do. And they just start internalizing that. And because they haven't had their own experiences and they trust the, those around them, they just take it on face value. And so a looks might be one of those things. You know, I, I have a client who um, comes from very a household that um, just parents who were highly, highly, highly critical um, and just basic things about her, like her looks that are like not an issue whatsoever, like whatsoever, like the length of her hair, you know, like boys have short hair so she should have long long hair so that's something that she's like internalized so as like an adult if she cuts her her hair she feels incredibly ugly like incredibly ugly and it it and that's just you know and and it's 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 like incredible to me that she can't get past that um, but it's just been locked in because that's what she's been told all of her life. And that became internalized as a fear of not looking ugly. And so every time they had to cut her hair, that's how she felt that, you know, she felt she looked ugly because she got told that. Um, and like, that's, that's the immediate association that she's made. Um, and so really it's about, you know, you asked how to get out of that. You have to just face it and break it. And there's no, like, there's really no other way other than, like, facing that fear and, and facing that risk and challenging some of these misconceptions that we've been told. Now, that one is a very obvious one. There's a lot more other, like, subtle ones that people have picked up that they're not even Aware conscious of. of exactly that is playing out in their, like, level of deservingness. Um, but it is, um, and it's making them present themselves in a certain way in the world. Um, and in accordance with how they're presenting, they'll attract or, um, repel the kind of people that they're looking for. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So kind of like jumping off on the, actually just guys, give me just a second. I'm just going to pause for just a moment. Waiting with us for just a moment. Um, okay, so one of the things I was actually going to ask was kind of going off. Let's let's go back to the whole thing of like how women can actually really open themselves up. So yeah. we've always started with body language because yeah. that's a big one. Yeah. So quick glance obviously doesn't do it. No. So let's just quickly run through what's just very quick, like as a you know broad yeah. stroke over it, rather than going in depth. What are some of the things that someone can do, like a quick checklist? Um, okay, so in terms of like if you're with your friends, um, women tend to create 
huddle. Close, yeah, circles. Um, so definitely when you are standing with your friends, stand with your with openness so that a guy doesn't have to come in and try to break up that circle, but there is space that he can walk into. Another thing is, is like where you're positioning yourself. So if you're um, at a bar or restaurant and um, you're away at a table, no one's going to want to walk all the way to a table and try to approach you. So if you are looking to meet people, you have to position yourself at the bar um, to make it easier. If a guy does notice you, then he can, you know, walk up while he's getting a drink and strike up a conversation. So location is very important. If you see someone that you like, try to position yourself close to them. So Proximity, basically. Yes, absolutely. Proximity is incredibly important. Um the glancing and the smiling. So do that several times. Um, I think women think that like one time or a second glance um, it is enough. No, guys need several signals to make sure. Yeah, because I've, I've experienced that before. I've looked at a girl and like she smiled. And yeah. it's the whole like smile and look down kind of thing. Yeah. That's cool. But also at the same time, someone does that. I mean, I do that just unconsciously as a way of saying hello. It's like it's a safe environment. I can greet yeah. you. But at the same time, it's like in a situation where you're both interested, as soon as you see that as a guy from from a guy's perspective, is your nerves just like kind of skyrocket. Yeah. So because yes. you're trying to interpret what it is. Yeah. If you get two or three of those. It I'd becomes say, more clear, right? Yeah. One oh, is like you can really easily read it off. Oh, it was whatever. She wasn't looking at me, you know, because your insecurities kicked in, your, your anxieties kick in and you try to dismiss it in any way possible. So, yeah, she has to keep engaging. Um, another thing is, is like um, if, if he is at the bar, like go up there and say something like, oh, you know, I wanted to order a beer, but I wasn't sure what kind to get like can you recommend one or what are you having so something so get an opinion get an opinion like ask him for it or just be like i can't you know you're really tall i can't get the bartender's um attention can you can you mind calling him over here for me um so something like that where like you are engaging him without having to be like hi how are you you know what's your name um a subtle opening and then he can pick it up from there see there's two two experiences i've had mm. that are my favorite experiences i've ever had from like uh from women and it was we were staring at each other mm-hmm. like you know the quick glance of the whole thing mm-hmm. and i was like really unsure because i was really, really nervous at the time and um she basically like smiled waved at me That's as amazing. in to be like what are you doing? Come over yeah. here and say hi. That's uh, awesome. The second one, we were staring at each other, and she stuck her tongue out at me. Right. Like a kid would. So I stuck my tongue back out at her. I was like, what? And then we started making faces at each other from okay. across, like, a wow. bar. And then I was like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to go say hi. Because, like, at this point, she was making faces at me. It was clearly us. It was us two. But by the time I was walking up to the bar, two or three other guys had misinterpreted went up to her as well. Oh, <laughs> which is really funny, because they were all that... And as a guy... Yeah. This is kind of like something that I'd say that I thank my stars. I was very, I, was, I had my confidence game up at that yeah. point. So I literally walked up and there was like two guys just trying to talk to her and yeah. stuff. And you can see in her face, her body language is closed off. Yeah. She saw me. I was like, oh, hey guys. Um, I think she was waiting for me. Um, yeah. I was like, hey, how you doing? You know, good to see you. And all that, the other. And they just immediately kind of backed to like, oh, he knows her. And right. immediately like body language opened up. It was a great conversation. Yeah. So I, if there's anything I advise from the women, I'd just say, like, do that. Like, yeah, be childish. Yeah, I mean, those, both those incidents, like, 
there was no question that they were interested, yeah. right? Like, yeah, they were clearly interested and you knew that you were not going to get rejected if you went there. They were like basically calling you over essentially. They'd already engaged you. So yeah, that, that's the kind of, I mean, I don't know how many women would be brave enough to be able to like actually wave and like make faces and stuff. That's cool. If you can do that, it's it's, it. it's really down to like what type of woman you are and what type of guy you want because like so many women say I want a guy with a sense of humor but like yeah. when they're out they're like the most stone cold yeah. people you could I'm like guys mirror the people that you want because yes. like rule one of dating more than anything playfulness one, is so key it's so oh my important. god it, it's like my favorite thing in the world yeah. but like I have to admit I think through the experiences I've had I've lost a little bit of my playfulness yeah but I'm regaining that again just by like mm. having the sarcastic humor that I love so much mm-hmm. because again this is this is not meant as an insult to anyone but like I've dated some people that genuinely didn't get sarcasm yeah and I'm like wow yours this like I've got to date someone that's intelligent so like that's kind yeah. of a big thing for me um so the few times I've dated someone that wasn't intelligent it became very hard to mm-hmm. be playful and mm-hmm. then it's very hard to like find my mm-hmm. roots back to playful because when I'm around intelligent people mm-hmm. they're like are hilarious and playful mm. and so on the conversations just fly yeah they're, they're like the happiest things in the world now the other question i had for you and this is kind of one that i've noticed because i quickly did a search online for it because um there were some questions i did not ask you i was like oh what's a really common question and this one far more common than i realized mm. is when someone actually and it's actually i'm going to say this from both perspectives because there's two different meanings on this when an individual that you're into actually turns around and says, you're all these great things, but there's no spark. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So from either perspective, and I've been on both sides of this, so I've actually had, well, I'm like, whoa, I don't feel this from the person. Um, but also I know, for, okay, so I'll get it from a guy's perspective from what I know, and you can correct me if you want. So from a guy's perspective, if they're like, there's no spark, what essentially that means is, I actually, wow, I, I just, I, yeah, there's nothing else that I really want to go beyond what we have or just be friends, kind of like that area, but it's not so much like a, they're not doing it from a place of fear, they're doing it from a place of realization, whereas... Oh, okay, so I'm curious in terms of that, because from what I hear from guys' side of you, uh, and the spark thing, a lot of it has to do with, like, sexual attraction. It okay. feels like if there isn't a spark, it's because that person didn't, like catch their eye sexually right attraction wise because i you know that initial like chemistry and spark like this person could be this incredible you know wonderful person with an amazing character um how would you know that in initially right right so i don't know i don't the the spark thing is an interesting one because i don't really buy into it same i actually yeah. think it's complete bullshit like yeah. i i'm very yeah. much with uh he's just not that into you have you seen yes, the movie yeah i love yeah. that movie just justin long's character where he comes out like the spark by the way completely made up by men as yeah. a way to get out of a relationship with you totally. um but the perspective i have from women and from what i've seen yeah. online and it's actually really interesting that a lot of women that are actually answering this yeah. is in the sense of that it's one of three things. It's mm-hmm. she's not attracted to you physically. Yes. Um, that's actually quite a big one. The others that are more subtle is that like yeah. there's commitment phobia as mm-hmm. in they weren't really looking for anything but now they actually feel those feelings. They don't want to go into that so they're actually using that as a way to get out. Um, and the third is God, what was the third? So you've got like commitment phobia, you've also got um, no attraction or it's actually in the sense of, again, it is fear-based. Yeah. 
it's in the sense actually it's four the fourth one is is the same as guys is in the sense of I've got a realization this isn't going any further I don't want to waste your time the third one is actually more towards I actually really like you but I don't know if I can feel like I don't know if I can open myself up emotionally right now so I'm gonna say this as a way to kind of push you away and I say that because I've seen it with relationships with other people granted never happened to me but I've seen it with so many other people where Oh, the person would say there is no spark and again I'm talking from a female perspective because they're my friends they're like me and this guy don't have any spark it you know whatever it is and I speak to them like oh I really like them and all this yeah. I was like so why didn't you pursue it and they're like they say that exact third reason yeah. I didn't feel like I can open up emotionally not because they were judging me it's just my own thing and then they push forward a little bit further like a year or two and they're dating this person like full time now mm. and they break up and they go back and it's like you clearly have some connection there. Mm. It's that you're just running away from what you're feeling. Yeah. So that's why I kind of look at it. So, like, attraction is a big one. But at the same time, I know um, from experience, that's not always just the case. Because someone can actually say, you're gorgeous. I really like you. I like the way you are. Yeah. But I don't think that the key word here is extra spark. Yeah. Extra spark being the actual key thing for reasons two, three, and four for me. So I uh, so I find it interesting that you brought this up because there's a talk I do on like love and how like love uh, works, you know, scientifically and what the limitations of love are and all of that. And like the vignette that I open up with is exactly that. Like um, someone who's dating another individual, this other individual seems to have all the qualities they're looking for in a long-term partner but they just go, I don't have the spark. Uh, and I get that a version of that story all of the time when single people come to me. Um, and I don't, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an umbrella term that we attach to for several reasons. Exactly yeah. that, whether it's an attraction, whether it's a lack of readiness to commit, whatever it is. And so when someone says, yeah, I was dating someone and they're great, but I don't just, I don't have the spark. Um, I like, I dive deep into that. Um, because there's something about your own psychology very rarely has to do with the other person. Something about what's happening with you or your own psychology that is creating a barrier. And if either I'll keep pushing until we uncover um, or that person says, okay, fine. Like what I meant was that this person is not fulfilling my needs and this and this, this way, but maybe I think it's shallow. And rather than saying, you know, it's because I don't know. I don't want to open about how I feel. Whatever it is. Yeah. That I, I'm embarrassed to sort of say it because I think it's a shallow thing. Like he didn't have the right degree or, you know, she wasn't good looking enough. I'd rather just say it's a spark thing. So either that comes up, which is totally fine. That's the thing. Like we have all this like, um, stuff attached to like political correctness uh, attached to like relationships and and it's just not that like who you're sexually attracted to is who you're tra- sexually attracted to it's okay to like own that yeah. it's you know it's completely fine so either then we work on for them to like accept and own that in themselves and then co- continue to look for the right partner rather than allowing people let's say for instance that they're not maybe physically that attracted to for them to continue to date because they don't want to come off as shallow yeah i mean i I can totally see that yeah it's um, and i agree with you about the owning thing like i had this conversation with my sister i'm gonna reveal something huge to you guys i'm sorry um it's kind of like my sister said to me why don't you date girls of inside ethnic background or whatever Mm -hmm. it was and i said I was like, no, I only like girls from this ethnic background because mm-hmm. that's who I find attractive. That's yes. my attraction. 
And my yeah. sister literally blatantly flat out said, well, isn't that a little bit racist for you to be that way? And I was like, that's politically yeah. correct because, like, you can be attracted to someone of a different place and be like, but you don't want to be with them. Yes. Um, and that's completely fine. Well, where I find it strange is when you have, and this is something I've seen in the dating world, I only date people of X color background, whatever it is, but it's not for long-term relationships. It's only for sexual conquest. And at that Which is point, like more of a fetish. Exactly. <laughs> right. You've basically fetishized yeah. a person's yeah. Uh, ethnicity. Yeah, you've objectified them. Um, That's where yes. it gets a little bit weird. And I actually find women do that more often than men. Mm. Um, though there's no bullshit ever called on that side, which mm. is kind of humorous to me as, mm. you know, from someone that sees that. Now, something I did want to ask you very quickly, because we're coming up right to the end of the show. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite questions really just to ask is when someone, and I'm going to modify this more for relationships, when someone's actually had the wind knocked out of the sails, the confidence completely dropped, mm. what's one of the best ways for them to like rebuild their confidence from a male and female perspective? Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to answer this from a relationship perspective. So, yeah. uh, if, if they have like they got dumped, the person didn't like yeah. who they were, whatever it was, you know, I really, they were overly invested and just something knocked them. Yeah. So, so several things. Um, if you're looking to, to, to gain your sense of self-worth from a relationship, that's tricky because yeah. some people sort of put all their eggs in that basket, you know, like when I find the right person and then everything is going to be that amazing. that's the yeah. worst thing that you can do it's so toxic to do that because you're putting Absolutely. all the onus on them not on yourself yeah and that is a not only massively risky in the way it's setting you up um but also it's really draining to the partner who feels like they're the sole um uh, purpose yeah for your happiness and that in itself can drive them away not because of who you are but because of the responsibility they feel in order to fulfill you. Um, so being very careful about um, uh, where that's coming from. And so really working on yourself. So there's a lot of like, you know, tips in, in the dating world about like, wait three days until you call. And that's a bullshit rule. In my but, but here's the thing. All of those rules, like they're BS, but they what they get to the heart of is like, be someone of worth. Yeah. to like date you know D don't be basically like desperate needy sitting around the don't be beta and, yeah yeah and so if you focus on like what i say is like look when you make your list and you look over your list and you want all these amazing things from your partner think about how many of those things you're fulfilling yourself yeah um and it really like not only does it go to like the superficial stuff um you know in terms of like looks and career and education level or whatever go for the emotional um, stuff but the yeah the character stuff you know if you want a kind and compassionate person you really got to enact that out in your own life so yeah yeah go ahead no i was gonna say it's like that conversation you and i had about tribes yeah. That you got to dress yeah. for your tribe and go to the area that you want to yes. go to in order to attract the person that you want. Yeah. Um, it's very similar. you got to find out. what. And a lot of people can misconstrue what I'm saying here. So I'm going to just be very, very clear for a second. I'm not saying change yourself for that thing and then change back. Because changing yourself just for that one thing is stupid. You kind of want to adapt and transform yourself to become that person of value. And yes. I think Hitch said it best, like the, the movie Hitch. I yeah. love that movie. Um 
where the person goes, these shoes aren't me. He goes, you right now is a very fluid concept. Mm. You bought the shoes, you're doing these things, you're making the changes. Mm. Because when you make those permanent changes in your life, Mm -hmm. for the better, because if you're like, I don't know, if the ideal person that you want to date uh, is healthy and you smoke, and then you go, okay, the person I'm dating doesn't want to be with a smoker, and I don't want to be with a smoker, so... I'm no longer smoking, I'm going to cut down. That's yeah. a transformation for the positive for you to go towards right. that. Whereas if you're like, I actually want someone that does smoke because that's something I really enjoy and I want to be with them, then now you actually know, instead of doubling down the smoking aspect, look at the other aspects of what you want with that person. Yes. And what emotional fulfillment you're getting from totally. it. Totally. I think, I think my mom really keyed me in on this when I was like 15, 16, because I was growing up in LA and there's a lot of emphasis on looks and all of that at that age right um and i remember we had this conversation about like dating and and you know future potential and what i'm looking for in a guy and and you know i listed off like of course i want him to be attractive and i want him to be educated and i want him to be you know all of these things and she was like well you know if that's what you're looking for do you think a guy like that would want to be with you as well um and so she was like you know you got to get really busy being that person as well um because it's not about just like what faking it and exactly and attracting that person but and it's not about just you're fulfilling your needs because ultimately even if you do that even if you happen to be like you know stunning and attract him into your life are is that relationship going to be sustainable if you can't rise up to his level and so it, you know she sort of really emphasized um whatever type of person you want to be with you've got to become that uh, individual as well. So there could be equal reciprocity in that relationship. Exactly. It's kind of like saying, it's that same thing. Uh, They have to be amazing, but I can be shit. Yes. So that's not going to work because what's going to happen is that's going to fall so goddamn hard and so quickly because what's going to happen is that the other person's going to be like, wait, if I'm so awesome, why am I with this beta person? Like, I yes. can't be with someone like that. And by the way, I'm saying this from a perspective and not to be an which asshole about gonna, it. I've been in that position. Which is, which ultimately, all it does is it hypes the insecurity in you. Yeah. If, you know, if you have um, attracted someone that you feel like is super out of your league um, and that's what you're basing your confidence on, you're always going to be insecure that like they might figure it out and they might leave you or they might whatever. And so it's only just going to heighten your lack of confidence within yourself and in insecurity. So yeah, if you are someone that's really insecure, that's been knocked down, uh, I'd say like put your entire focus on becoming exactly what you're looking for, you know, in terms of keeping healthy. And if it's attraction, that's the key, like continue to work on that area and education and reading books and all of that so uh, what i would say to people in my personal opinion and tell yeah. me if you agree with me on this one um is the idea of i call uh, well it's like five places that i put my focus to like one area but it's like my life but in five areas so i go with my health uh my finances slash career yeah. happiness um what i want in relationships and also what i expect of myself like yeah. self-fulfillment spirituality whatever it is and in each section, and I did this at the start of the year as well, I basically wrote down, uh, I opened a spreadsheet and just basically said books and courses I want to take, put the five areas and then wrote the area of what books I want to read for each one. Mm-hmm. And then just like a little note at the end so I can actually write a little note mm-hmm. saying, okay, this is, uh, this is what I feel like and that's what I think. And what I found from that is it's actually helped me open up a lot of my emotions. Part of the transformation I went through after we went, we spoke, I feel far more open about it. 
and like mm-hmm. my constant development to what I want. And it's, this is just a really good reminder for myself and for everyone else listening. Yeah. That you have to essentially become the person that is not only worthy, and what I mean by worthiness is worthy to yourself, yeah. not worthy to another, to be in that relationship. Because you can you can trick that person to be in a relationship with you, and they could fall in love with you, but then you, yourself, you won't accept it, and you'll do things to sabotage you know, the shit out of it. You constantly undermine it. I yeah. see that all the time. Yeah, and as, again, I was just going to say earlier with my personal experiences, I've dated someone that is, quote-unquote, below me by whatever standards of society people say, and it ends just simply because the other person has done or is doing things that are so destructive that are bringing the destruction of a relationship where I'm actually happy with it. I'm like, I want to be with you. Everyone else is like, no, he's like, he's up here, you're here, you guys shouldn't be like compatible and whatever. But I'm like, I want to be compatible with you because you fill all these things with me and I fill all these things with you and we, we, we get on. But that entire insecurities or my entire insecurities like clash like crazy it brings up all this kind yeah. of like argument and then all of a sudden you're like in a really weird position where you don't so, want to be with each other. And that would only change if they had gone through the actual work and done the work yeah, themselves. Absolutely. And so like the behavioral changes and all of that are really important. But um, I think that's one of the things that sort of that brings up is that like in order for you to like go through these behavioral changes, whether it's like health wise or like, you know, expanding your mind by reading a lot and doing all these things, you've got to believe that you're worth it. And a lot of people have had incidents in their past that have really um, knocked away at their sense of self-worth. So, oh, massively. Yeah. So that like they don't even believe at a very core level that the, doing any of this stuff is worth gonna make any changes because they're worthless anyway right and for those people that are saying that go back to earlier in the show where we actually spoke about how you can find that out and something that i'd say is for this is for people like that this is an extreme case because i was that guy by the way um the way that i overcame that was by the way you can actually massively overvalidate and overcompensate by becoming a giant like man or a woman or a person and that's compensation of like ill intent the way that i actually came to realization with this was surprisingly by my photography teacher i think i told you the story mm. was they told me like do you have 10 friends that you trust like with mm. your life i was like yeah i was like well speak to them about this just tell them to do an actual assessment of you naked like fully mm. top yeah. and bottom just like get them to give you a physical assessment and then i want mm-hmm. you to go to a live art class mm-hmm. and do this yes you will be scared mm-hmm. but if you do it i guarantee mm-hmm. the results will be incredible so i you know mm-hmm. i went through this process and what was really astounding is when you get the responses back about what mm-hmm. people like about you what because there was stuff in my body that i thought was hideously disgusting yeah. and someone was like no that was my favorite feature about you. i just mm-hmm. love the way that you're like whatever for me it was my nose it was like because i was bullied for it for so long at school it was like your nose is like very much like this. It's, it looks very much like um, they basically someone said it looks like a Caesar nose. They're like it's very much like this. You have that kind of rule and sense, and it just with your eyes and your lips just sits perfectly on your face the way that you are. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Whereas when I was younger, it was like this other yeah. entire thing. So those things from finding yeah. external, and this is kind of what I'm gonna say that is really important. When you take an external. Um, inspiration from that you got to internalize that as quickly as possible and really start to believe in it because otherwise whatever said from the outside it is just going it, it just yeah, it resets it constantly back. and it's it's exactly like that example is exactly the one i was thinking about with like 
the girl like with the long hair issue is in the silly example I brought about like the dog and the fear that was instilled at a young age. And it's like, and if that child grew up believing those things that they were told um, and, and um, it's going to become internalized and that like the fear it elicits, it's, it's no longer a thought. It's just a fear. Um, And so, yeah, you've really got to confront it. And one of the ways that I do that, like, with when when I work is that um, you know once one hour long therapy on a weekly basis is great but like one of the things I found is that it takes a really 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 long time to get to a person's core psychology um, you know because we can work on all the behavioral changes but if they don't really believe it yes it resets constantly yeah so I do this thing where it's called like a full day intensive and I go into um you know we start off from like day one of a person's birth and we even go further back to like their parent psychology and we look at their life frame by frame and we look at exactly how their sort of identity and narrative has developed and when we sort of lay that out in that kind of way and just keep peeling away the layers what they often like realize is that these fears and concerns or these perceptions about themselves that they've been like holding on to so dearly um all their life like they're not theirs and we uncover like why where it came from and often it's often it's from their like parents psychology that their parents had stuff going on in their lives at the time or their parents have these beliefs and they raised their children with those beliefs and then passed on those those fears and concerns and um you know uh, for instance i had a psychologist come to me uh, about a year or so ago She'd come out of a divorce and I had given a talk about, you know, love and standards and all of that. And so she was like, yeah, right in line with it. So I want to see you because I'm terrified of making the same mistake again because I'm always gravitating to these like bad guys and I'm always like making these bad choices and I'm like the kind of like the family screw up. Um, so I don't trust myself again. She's a psychologist herself, and um, and I always find that the most tr- they're usually the most fucked up people ever because I love them. Yeah, but in the most loving way, obviously. You know, because honestly, like we we also like as psychologists, we have the theories um, to to validate what we feel sometimes. Oh, you know, I'm insecure. I have anxiety. It's because it comes from this, and it keeps our like anxieties and fears very much alive because we can label it and like give it meaning and validate it with our stories um and so yeah when we went through her past now she comes from an incredibly well-to-do family very wealthy um so she's received like the best education all the things she could want in the world but when we looked at her past it was um her parents didn't love one another when they got married or her mom loved her father but um the dad didn't so he was always gone and not to get into too many details but um her mom was you know they moved around a lot because when they got married he was still building his career um so he was working 12 to 14 hours a day and they would move to different cities mom would be left alone um so she was in this depressive state when uh, my client came along as a baby they had a a nanny who was very authoritarian who took her and was sort of like you know doing all of the the raising and would keep telling the mom how she was breastfeeding wrong and how she was you know doing this wrong and doing that wrong and so the bonding process between her and her mom and her and for her father was heavily severed and the this couple you know went through this process of there were many infidelities and issues like that where this like they basically this kid that quote unquote got everything she needed in life the best education and the best resources 
would never felt loved and and her bonding process was totally severed and it was like jokes about how her dad was like cold and detached and never around you know it was like a common family jokes around it um but really it had left a massive scar on her and so when she hit her teen years she was craving that kind of male attention and was feeling very hollow inside so she took drugs and alcohol to numb it and when she started to develop at an early age like physically so she started getting a lot of attention from men and so she gave in to that um and there was no supervision because her parents again were completely detached you know and so a a a girl at sort of at 13 14 who's well developed but emotionally scarred you know physically well developed but emotionally scarred and is getting a lot of attention and there's no guidance there's no parental you know supervision um is going to be in a lot of trouble in terms of the the choices she's making not because she's you know stupid but because she's you know she's she's fulfilling an emotional need especially at that point you got hormones like rushing through you as well which is irrational choices as well all of that all of that that's a pattern over time so she kept having these relationships where she would get used and taken advantage of which would like further open up that wound and then so she would look to you know fill it with another guy and on and on and on and that's been like her history it's basically like heroin more or less you take a hit just to overcome it and sometimes you're like you don't get it i've got to like do this in order to feel normal yes uh and for her her, she had to feel good because of it because of what was going on Absolutely. And since then, she had done so much work on herself. So and had finally like this, the guy she ended up with, very similar to her husband, super successful, but incredibly emotionally unavailable um, and and abusive. Um, So a step further from from her dad um, as well. And so um, she had done a lot of work on herself and had finally left him and, you know, but was so terrified because of her history that she thought, I'm going to repeat this again. But again, when we did the work, it was like, this was never your stuff. You've been being told and you've internalized that I suck at relationships and I'm a terrible person and I, you know, all this stuff. And it was like, it was none of her stuff. And so she was able to like, as we laid it out so clearly, she like let go of that old story and realized from the work she had done, she'd healed herself quite a lot. So there was no fear of like making that mistake again, because she wasn't picking the wrong men she was just emotionally scarred and looking to fulfill that yeah. that space but she had healed that and so there wasn't a risk of you know of picking the wrong man and so yeah i mean within that session so much cleared up um for her and um yeah again sort of going back to that like how we see ourselves and what emotional wounds that we're trying to heal in our own in our own ways is really key so if you have massive confidence issues or if you have a series of picking the wrong person or unhealthy relationships the it's the the focus shouldn't be on like i gotta work harder at picking the right person it's what's happening internally with me that keeps drawing me to these people um so yeah like confidence issues issues in relationships just look within yourself find a great therapist if you're having a hard time and do some work i assure you it will be um uh, 10 times more rewarding yeah because like something i do know that i did want to bring up at this right near the end was um something that you're doing that uh by the time this podcast would have come out you're either going to be doing or it will be full in fact 
is more or less like Skype counseling with people, mm-hmm. like where you can actually work with them like digitally and stuff, which is a lot more. I mean, I know you prefer one on one in person, but if they can't, like for instance, if they're in America yeah. and you're in the UK, this is a great way for you to actually get the help that you need from um, Catherine because she is an amazing therapist, like genuinely someone that I actually turn to with my own stuff. Um, but someone that I actually see that is able to understand what I'm going through as well at times and actually give me advice. So it's like really, it's a really, really cool thing. So if you guys want to go check that out, just check out katherinebajanian.com. That's B-E-J-A-N-Y-A-N is how you spell her surname, um, dot com. And you can essentially either you can mail into an opt-in, like to a mailing list, which uh, she would basically be sorting something out soon anyway. Uh, and essentially what I'll do is get you in touch with her or you can just send her a contact form email just mention that you you had it from this podcast so she'll actually know what you're on about um, even if it's just comments and stuff because I know that you're doing a lot of speaking soon as well so that's another way yeah, of doing it yeah I am yeah, yeah. so yeah if you uh, have any speaking events um, and you're looking for people I'm always doing tons of those and I appreciate you bringing up the Skype thing um, yeah I, I wasn't doing the Skype thing but um, I just happened to now ha- be doing it because I got contacted by a couple of referrals that were people um, current clients in London but had friends out of the UK so it just was impossible um, to, to meet with them in person so I started doing Skype and a couple of people who like read a couple of my articles on Huffington Post and such and so they you know don't live in the UK and so they contacted me so I've kind of been been pushed into doing it but I, 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 I really like it now so if that is the case um, I generally do an assessment before um, Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I generally do an assessment. So if someone is wanting something, just contact me. I'll have to do an assessment to see if I'm a good fit uh, for you. And then and then we'll talk about uh, how to move forward or I'll give recommendation of otherwise. Yeah. Because essentially more or less is you got to find that you're the right person. And the oh, right person for sure. Because you got to find. so the, important. It's finding the right therapist. Yeah. Really. And I'm not always the right therapist for everyone. So I do that assessment and they get a feel for me and I get a feel for them. And then we can take it from there. Oh, for sure. Guys, thank you, Catherine, for actually being here and joining us today on the show, especially live as well. Um, guys, go check out katherinebajanian.com. As always, rate, share, subscribe to the podcast. Let us know what you're thinking. If you really enjoyed this episode, let me know because I really want to get Catherine back on another episode. But you guys got to make it happen for me here because uh, I want to make sure that you guys actually really enjoy it. Catherine, thanks again for being here. We really appreciate cool. you being here. Yeah, loved it. Thanks, guys. See you on the next episode.